Hi, my name is Andrew, and um, I run the Empath community, and I'm here today with Anna. Hi, Anna. Hello. So for our listeners, um, can you start by introducing yourself a little bit? Sure. Um, my name is Anna Hawking. I live in San Antonio, Texas, USA. I um, just recently discovered or accepted I'm an empath. And so um, learning more about myself and others around me. So life is very exciting and ups and downs. But mm -hmm. other than that, um, I'm doing well. Cool. Thanks. I'm really excited to do this call with you. And we've been sort of planning on doing this for a while. Um, and I, I think the thing that stood out most to me is that um, you feel like you've overcome your depression. Yes. And by overcoming your depression, it sounds like it's basically, you basically eliminated it. I like to believe I, I did. Um, you know, there are just some things that you can't eliminate, which, you know, are past memories, emotions are tied, uh, tied to them. Right. But what I can do is just decrease the strength that they have, those emotional strengths, uh, which can, I, to me, I think contribute mainly to a lot of the depression that I was experiencing. Right. And, and when we talk of um, depression, um, uh, typically, typically I think of baselines. So, I mean, everyone might have a, a sad morning. Something horrible happens, and of course you can feel really sad. And depression I normally think of like as a general state as a general state that someone might experience that they will eventually revert back to. Does that make sense? Yes. So um, as far as baselines go, um, where 10 is like extreme depression and suicidal and zero is like absolutely no depression. What was your um, depression sort of baseline prior to uh, the experiences you went through? Um, I would say maybe between the seven and eight, um, you know, I, I learned to find or discovering that um, gynecologists have a different terminology for depression. Psychologists have a different terminology for depression, you know, and of course, my, I, I myself felt I was experiencing severe depression, but apparently severe depression is where you need immediate uh, medical attention is where you're harming yourself or harming others. And I wasn't doing that. Um, more than anything else, I was harming myself, which was affecting others, particularly my family around me. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, between the seven and eight is where you're just constantly gloomy. Um, it affects your health. In the mm -hmm. beginning, it wasn't affecting my health as severe, but as I got older and repeating the same patterns, and you don't mm -hmm. realize you repeat these patterns because you think that it's just a state of mind, but then when it starts affecting your health and then your mm -hmm. behavior and your patterns, and then that's when uh, it just feels like as if you have no control literally over your life. And that's for me, I feel like I was out of control, period. Um, you know, I, I wasn't a danger to you know, society, um, but I wasn't, um, I wasn't contributing negative, um, you know, social habits to others. But then again, at the same time, I um, wasn't helping improve myself, which meant I was hurting my family members. So I would say between the seven and eight. Okay, so it's, it's re it was really quite high. Um, yes. As your sort of day-to-day -day feelings of depression. Yes. Okay, and um, 
how long ago was that that you sort of felt that day to day? Um, like when when did I feel I'd started, or was in like when did I? Yeah, actually, want yeah. To let's, change. Let's. Um, good question. Maybe maybe a bit of both. So sort of when did this start in your life? That kind of high level of depression and. How recently um, did that drop or stop? Um, probably when I was uh, young, you know, um, fear. A lot of people uh, think maybe fear and depression are tied together, um, but I don't think so. I think fear is just an emotion that uh, you respond to or, um, or it's brought to you. But um, I started experiencing fear at a very young age. Mm. I didn't know how to overcome it. And so I was constantly recycling these um, memories as a child. So I think depression for me started when I was going through puberty. I started very young, uh, between age 10 and 11. Um, but it wasn't until my parents uh, wanted to divorce. That was extremely um, you know, heart-wrenching for me. I didn't know how to handle it. They tried taking me to a, a therapist, and that didn't help. Um, but so probably from the age of 13 years, um, into my adulthood right now, I'm just turned 50. So from 13 year olds to 50, um, I've been experiencing depression. But I think as a young child, just not knowing how to handle myself in front of others, um, you know, trying to fit in with the crowd uh, was more, I guess, social or behavioral patterns, not necessarily depression. But I think for me, depression started after I had a children, like the severe depression. The postpartum depression just didn't seem to. Um, I wasn't able to overcome it, it seems. Mm. Um, the hormonal changes, and then I uh, experimented, experiment. I ex uh, suffered a premature uh, menopause. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, around age 37, it's called uh, perimenopause. Is essentially where women go through the beginning phases where they no longer produce a menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. And so from age 37 to about age 41, I was, you know, hot flashes, cold flashes, um, mm -hmm. severe uh, mood swings. Um, I sometimes these emotions just pop out of nowhere, and I have no idea what's going on. I just know that I want to scream and yell. And for me, I'm normally not like that. I'm usually an extremely reserved, um, very quiet person. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, my daughters—I have two older daughters and a younger one—but my two older daughters were going through their um, puberty and. You know, I just didn't know how to fix myself, and I just felt like I was lost. Um, so, and somewhere in my 40s, I started to exercising, you know, eating healthier, which does help. But I discovered that the mental cycle, the constant um, feeling, the, like the low self-esteem, mm -hmm. it just got worse. So maybe my um, feeling like I'm helping myself did work. But the mental cycle uh, just kept me down until eventually I felt like as if I was just going to fade away. Hmm. And to, to jump to today, um, on that baseline of zero to 10, what would you say your depression is sitting at now? I would say maybe probably a one. Uh, there okay. are times where I do feel sad, um, but you know, just you feel sad because how the world is going. You feel sad, um, you know, maybe you can't help myself get out of, you know, this financial situation I'm in or whatever that's going on. 
mm-hmm. um, inflation and everything. So mm-hmm. there are just some things I can't control. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I would say a one. I wouldn't say complete zero, um, but because I think for me, because of the way I've um, just recently overcame, for, I believe I recently overcame depression. It's just, it's a constant battle for me to not recycle those negative thoughts. And uh, they're extremely rare now that I recycle negative thoughts. I, when I do feel I, I sense them, I, uh, I pray a lot. Um, meditation helps, um, but mostly prayer. And then I'll read something. I'll listen to music. Anything that's positive, it eventually goes away, and then I'm, I'm fine. Okay, so let me see if I can summarize here. So started about age of 13, like puberty kind of time. Um, yes. There was some level of depression. And then after you had kids, um, it got worse. And yes. that stayed with you until uh, it's not. So, so when did it shift from like a 7 or 8 to a 1? How long ago? Um. So like, in, as in like, when did the, I feel like I uh, got rid of it or? Yeah. So, so it sounds like you've been sitting at a seven or eight out of 10 of depression for most of your life, really. And then now you're at a one. And I would say maybe about two months ago is okay. where I felt like as if um, I was walking on air. Um, listening to a lot of uh, YouTube channels or watching mm-hmm. a lot of YouTube channels about, you know, motivational uh, speakers or yeah. speeches. Um, that helped a lot. I mean, walking and exercising, definitely. I can't believe, I mean, there's one thing about walking, but when you do like aggressive walking where you increase your heart rate and you, but you do it, I've been trying to do it from maybe about two hours a day. Yeah. And something to do with the brain activity. Um, I'm starting to do a lot of research on, um, the, like your theta waves and different time of brain waves. And I just know that, um, you know, exercising, you know, nutrition, um, reading and writing. Uh, I think writing was what helped me the most uh, is where you journal, write down um, just, you know, your day and your complaints. Um, I think that's what mm-hmm. made it drop down to a, a one. So about two months ago when it's fully maybe probably like maybe uh, between a six and a seven um, or maybe four months ago between a six and a seven. And eventually it's uh, down to zero. So from February of this year up until see, February, March, April, May, June. So worked in between uh, May and June, it started to decrease significantly. Um, and then now we are in July. Um, so, but yeah. From March, April, May, June, July. So it's like five months. Also, yes. So you've gone from a baseline of seven or eight out of ten of depression for most of your life to about a one in about four or five months. Yes, that's awesome. And um, yeah, so for this call, I'd love to go over a bit more how you did that. You, you've already touched on a few things like prayer, listening to music, aggressive walking, exercising, nutrition, reading, and writing. Um. And in the notes you sent me, there's, it's, there's all sorts of things. So firstly, congratulations. I feel like this is huge oh, for, thank your, you. for your well-being and just quality of life. So yeah, walk us through it, Anna. So four or 
five months ago, um, what maybe triggered you to take action at all? Um, I felt like as if whatever I was doing, it didn't seem to work. All the positive thinking, the prayers, um, going to others, uh, you know, sometimes voicing out, you know, you feel depressed. People generally don't like to hear sad or horrible thoughts that are, or actions are going through your life because they themselves are probably experiencing something very similar. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to stop reaching out for help because the people I was reaching out to were family members. Um, I don't have that many friends. Um, it's just something that I, part of depression is you kind of isolate yourself. And I didn't realize it, but I was intentionally isolating without realizing I was intentionally isolating myself and isolating. Um, you, there's no growth. So I was tired of feeling like as if I was always a, a victim. You know, I, to me, I call it a basket case, like as if no one could possibly help me. And so I thought that maybe by joining the empath community, um, that maybe accepting my gifts, uh, someone can probably help me figure out, okay, Anna, this is what you need to do. But end result, when it comes down to it, you know, you can go to all the people you want to see, you can receive all the medications, you can receive all the support. What it boils down to is what are you willing to do as the individual? You know, what are you willing to do to take action for yourself? Mm -hmm. um, so part of my recovery is, uh, first of all, stop complaining, which took me a while to do that. Um, thinking positive was extremely difficult because um, I didn't know how to think positive. Because when you're constantly recycling negative, that's all you ever think is negative. Mm. And so um, part of being vulnerable um, that I learned um, in gratitude is, first of all, saying that you're sorry. Um, I, you know, I screwed up. Uh, there were a lot of times where when I joined the empath community through the, the channels, I thought I was helping people. Um, but that wasn't the case. People don't want to hear an aggressive attitude or someone who is always bossing them around. No, these are all grown-up people who don't need to be, um, you know, babied. And part of me, when I was growing up, um, my mother babied me, and so I passed on, you know, habits. So I want—I need to get rid of habits as well. And mm -hmm. so I had to stop and sit still, um, and keep to myself, and try and listen to my thoughts because I had so much going on. Because when you're constantly thinking negative, you don't sit still and listen to what your mind is telling you. Mm -hmm. And when I started to sit still, you know, uh, meditation took a while. Um, I first used to listen to music meditation, you know, chants or, um, you know, vibrations, frequencies. I think whenever anyone's reaching out for help, don't just select one. Go as to as many possible modalities as you possibly can um, because that's where you're – I believe I, I call it my soul, but you know, all people accept it as intuition or know what intuition is. My intuition was guiding me. And so um, don't be the boss of yourself because if that happens, your mind will take control. And it is my mind was already, you know, was already corrupt. And I wanted to get rid of that uh, corruption. So mm -hmm. sitting still um, helped uh, tremendously. And then so uh, listening to other people. Um, for me, I, I, 
look too much into facial expressions and body language and the tone of your voice. Um, one thing I discovered about myself is how sensitive I am to other people. Mm. Um, one thing I think I mentioned to you is that when I was reading a lot of the, uh, in these channels, um, a little different, you know, um, where we get personal with whatever what we're discussing, that when I read someone's uh, message, I can feel that person's emotions in the words. And then what I started to do, okay, wait a minute, if I can feel their, these, or their emotions and their words, I can feel the emotions anywhere else around me. So that's when I started to read a lot of uh, positive uh, literature, not, you know, overcoming depression type of literature, but something that's uh, self-care, you know, spiritual, anything that can bring uh, oneness back to me. And even if it's just like skimming through a book, like maybe 500 page book and only grabbing like maybe not even 10% of the book, that's, that's what I was doing. I didn't want to spend too much time with trying to encompass the entire, you know, whatever that they're telling me what to do, take what I need and move on. And that's what I did. I um, spent hours, um, you know, going through this um, the pandemic, you know, we couldn't go out and do anything. So for hours, I um, felt like as if I was wasting my day, but at the same time, I knew I was helping myself. And the more I was helping myself, the less I felt I was wasting my, my day. Um, mm. I didn't want to write too much down as to what I was doing because I was just like literally bouncing all over the place. And then I noticed that as I was communicating with other people, I wasn't um, just all over, like I um, had more control of my thoughts. And then I started to realize that the power of thought, you know, how it affects others. You know, I had, there were some personal things that were going on in my life um, that were out of my control. And so I was, I know that prayer, prayer does help. And I know that, with the power of intent and love can help but through this experience i learned that um asking for my healing i received but sending healing to someone else uh that was transformative uh, for me so that meant i need to clear my mind if i want to help my family member um to not feel sad or hurt i had to first fix me and i felt very um like I was a bad mom, that I wasn't paying too much attention to my family. I was actually taking care of myself uh, for a very, very long time. I always put myself last. Um, I think that's just my nature. Some people, um, they don't do that. They put themselves first, which is a good thing. You know, you always want to take care of yourself. And I, did, I didn't know how to do that. I always felt like as if I was um, neglecting my family. But then when I started to feel better, um, I've discovered that I was helping my family. So when I help mm -hmm. myself, I'm helping them. I was laughing more. Um, I was communicating them instead of just sitting there and listening to conversations. I was actually participating in conversations. We start playing more board games, you know, but anyhow, um, all the transformations and realizing that I can actually have enough strength like energy strength send it to that person but then i also realized that wait a minute i want healing for myself and so i um start praying more and then i started receiving more and then the negative thoughts just started to go away hmm. there's a there's a 
Wow, that's great. There's a couple of things in there that stand out to me. One is um, you recognize it by like reading because you can feel the energy of words, like in the channels that we that we type in. Um, yes. And if someone was having a hard time, you would literally feel the, the I guess the heavy emotions associated with the with those. Yes. You realize you could do that in a more general way, and so you, if you read um, really like positive or uplifting books you would feel better yes nice and the other thing that stood out for me was um by really looking after yourself and the self-care that you did that was the thing that actually made the biggest difference in sort of helping those around you yes so out of habit, I thought that if I do the dishes, if I do the laundry, if I um, make sure there's food on the table, you know, they could see that I love them. But, you know, there are just some things like the emotional love or the support. I think that you mentally, for me, I think you have to be in a better place. Mm. And I wasn't there for them, um, you know making sure the house is clean is not supporting someone, you know, helping them make the right choices in a difficult situation that mm -hmm. is supporting. It. And that for me, I wasn't doing that for years because I had my, my thinking wasn't, um, um, wasn't healthy. And so it was extremely distorted. Um, you know, my parents, uh, since they divorced and I was young, um, I didn't have that um, support or I didn't have that, um, you know, um, look up to someone who can help bring, you know, good morals into my life. So I, during the February up until now, I had to create my own support system. Um, you know, I didn't want to lean too much on my husband because, you know, work was uh, the transformation for his work affected him. And so I essentially felt, I won't say by myself, but there were times where I just felt like, wow, I'm literally, I'm, I'm alone. And then that's when I started to uh, find help for myself was within myself because I keep on reading everywhere else. The answers are within you. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I just, to me, the concept just doesn't make any sense. How can the answers be inside of you? And so, you know, just because you go to church or you go to whatever you know, um, group and you receive, you know, support. But there's like, how can the answers be inside of you? I'm a human being. Where does the answers come from? Mm -hmm. And so that's when I start to listen to my intuition. And then that's when the um, creating like an essence, like as if a human being is their entire uh, being are in those words, like their soul are in, in th those words. And so I created life by doing that. Um, in a sense, I guess that helped me. So, because I, for pe people that are upbeat, and I obviously can tell why um, by the the, you know, the uh, types of choices that they would choose. I wanted to be just like that. Mm -hmm. You know, there were a lot of people um, who would meditate and they were happy, and like, gosh, I want to be happy. I want to be able to talk with someone, not worry about thinking, gosh, maybe I shouldn't say that. Because I, I do that a lot. I, I think too much about, okay, what does this person think about me? They probably think I look stupid. They probably think I look ugly. They probably think I'm an idiot. And I, I, was, I was constantly downplaying myself, and I was tired of that. 
So now I'm to the point where, you know, if they don't like me, that's okay. That's cool. Um, they're not here to like me. They're, you know, they're experienced their own life experience and then maybe they're transitioning through something. And, um, one thing I learned is don't hold anyone down. And, you know, there were a lot of times where I was pushing people down because I was drowning. I wasn't doing intentionally to harm someone. Um, but sometimes when you're trying to save yourself, you bring others down with you. And when I realized I was doing that, I didn't want to hurt other people because I was hurting myself. And if I'm killing the person I care about, well, you know, mm. I'm a horrible person. And so by bringing life um, through me, I can bring life uh, to others. And that's what I think what most of it helped because the answers are within me and I, and I found the answers. Wow. Sounds like such a massive mental excavation. It, it is. Yeah, it is. You um, open-minded. You have to be 100% open-minded. Um, you know, you can't close yourself off. As it is, I already did close myself off, but by listening to other people, um, don't shun other people, no matter how uncomfortable they make you feel. Um, mm -hmm. Everyone has something to share and um, never just say they're talking too much or I don't agree with their beliefs. Everyone has something to share. And so that's, that's the way I'm, I'm looking at life now. Again, there's so many big things and you just sort of casually touched on here. Um, one of them being, I feel like, a, I feel like a lot of people have this issue is that it's this preoccupation with what other people think. And you seem to have yes. gotten to a place where you're like, yeah, it doesn't really matter what other people think now. No, it doesn't. Yes. How, how did you make that shift? I, um, I didn't want that control to remain in my life. So reading in a lot of uh, literature, you know, I, so we have a brain and we have a body, you know, you know, unfortunately some people are born where, you know, they have deformities, either the brain or the, the body. Um, but you know, my, my brain is functioning. My, I have limbs, you know, my arms, feet and everything works just fine. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm learning that your mind controls your body or the brain function controls your body, but then your mind can also control you. And I never understood that until I started to open up my mind to the possibilities that maybe there's some unseen force you know, we want to call it being or entity or, you know, spiritual, something out there that um, can be influencing your mind to do things that maybe you normally would not do. And so I started to experiment with myself to try and figure out, okay, is this true? And I started to find out that when I was controlling my um, emotions and my thoughts by, you know, um, trying to find proactive ways to help me you know the positive thinking is fine you can always think positive throughout the entire day but if you don't constantly live like believe in it but then live it at the same time um i started to defeat that um where my mind where i felt my mind was controlling me was forcing me to do things i didn't want to do I realize that sounds kind of crazy and you're like, okay, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. How can you, your mind is part of you. How can your mind be so, a totally separate entity? And like for those, um, I, I'm assuming I believe that there's a soul 
and every one of us. And I think our soul has our, like our the blueprint as to who we are. Um, you know, we have, you know, DNA and cell and everything like that. And I'm starting to believe that our cells are also programmed individually to help us. Um, mm. And so part of being open-minded, okay, wait a minute. How can the mind control me when I'm living a life that just didn't make any sense? But when I start to control my thoughts, um, if I was drifting off, and, you know, sometimes it took a while, like, you know, one or two hours, like, oh, damn, my, my mind is daydreaming. I'm dr- going off on these, you know, unnecessary thinking, uh, you know, thought patterns. And so I had to bring myself back. And so what I've noticed is that I've decreased the amount that I've allowed my brain just to kind of create its own thought, to, to kind of create its own, I guess, life. It's like as if my life, like as if my brain was a separate being, a separate entity from who I am. So once I started to decrease the amount of, um, I don't know, the length of or the, the, the uh, duration, that's when I started to gain control of, um, of who I am, and that the depression decreased. So now, like right now, I feel great. I feel like as if I'd never ever been depressed my entire life. <laughs> yeah. And yet you've been depressed most of your life. Yes. Wow. Um, hmm, let me. You said. Let me try and capture what you just kind of said there. So there's this. So for you, there's your mind, which sort of almost has its own mind. I don't know if that makes sense. But when you were daydreaming and the thoughts would kind of run on, um, that might get you into mental and emotional trouble in a way. And when, yes. you, and when you intervened and took more control of the reins of yes. your thought processes, then um, it sounds like that helped enormously. Yes, it did. Hmm. So there'd also be a lot of awareness in there to even know that you're having all these thoughts that are running off yes. on their own steam. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. It, it takes practice. Um, you know, not everyone can have the option. See, I work on the weekends. So Monday through Thursday, I had time to work on myself, which was a total blessing. I work mm-hmm. uh, Friday through Sunday. Um, I'm a nurse. I work uh, the night shift, but on Fridays I work from one to 5 a.m. Saturday, Sunday, I work from 5 uh, p.m. to 5 a.m. Um, and so Monday through Thursday, uh, I can sit still in the room. Um, to be honest with you, I never recorded the, the time. So for me, time, when you're healing, don't give yourself a time. Like, don't give yourself, you know, 30 minutes a day. You know, maybe maybe people only have 30 minutes a day to help fix themselves, but don't corner yourself or block yourself in a designated time and you say, okay, wait, no, I'm done helping myself and I got to take care of, you know, whatever's going on in my house or your job. And so when you stop restricting yourself, um, that's when you start, you know, allowing yourself to heal. But um, I didn't want to um, meditate for hours on end at the same time too, because I have things to do. And I felt great when I was exercising or I was listening to positive music. Mm-hmm. Walking does amazing. It does something to do with 
the, the brain activity, you know, you're constantly pumping blood and then there's all these different chemicals going through your body. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people don't like to do aerobic type exercises. They prefer like either weightlifting. Weightlifting does help. But I think if you were just to, for several days on end, continually do some form of aerobic exercise and you don't even have to listen to music. Sometimes music can be too much of a distraction. And when you're exercised, just let your mind go in a positive way. Don't. Sometimes it's good to get mad and yell and scream, and that does help. But when you're constantly doing that, you're still cycling the same negative over and over and over. So let your mind go, and when you know that it's wandering, bring it back. And you constantly do that over and over and over again. Because sometimes sitting still is great, um, but part of what got me in trouble was inactivity. Um, you know, just naturally for me, I, I, um, I like exercising. I like to feel good, but I'm not an overly active person. In other words, you don't, we wouldn't always find me outside doing a lot of outdoor type of activities. That's just not me, but I'm not lazy. Um, but with depression, what it does cause is you to become lazy. You lose your energy, you lose your strength. Um, for a while, I feel like I was losing my willpower. Um, because it's just, uh, it's, it's emotionally draining. So when I was exercising and did a lot of just, um, one, two, sometimes three hours at a time, I was creating energy for myself and I couldn't believe it. I like literally had my own like little like battery pack, um, that was constantly attached to me. And I felt like I was a totally different person. Um, so I wanted to experiment more with the exercising. Um, you know, you don't want to push it too hard. Um, cause you know, your body has limitations as well. So, you know, whatever you see, like some of these professional a- athletes, you know, don't compare yourself, um, to what someone else physically can do, figure out what your body can do, figure out, um, how far you can go. Um, and those are your own personal limitations. Um, but you know, just because you have a limitation now, that doesn't mean like maybe you know 30, 40 days now ago, 34 days looking forward, okay, expand your, your boundaries. And that's what I was doing. I was expanding my, uh, my boundaries. My, um, the limitations is healthy, but then go further and you continue to go further. And, and then next thing you know, um, like if I were to go in front of volleys and like maybe to go through, um, become a public speaker, I would not be embarrassed. Because I feel I've worked on myself enough to where um, I'm not critical of as to how I look. What I'm, the way I look at myself is that I'm energy. I'm transmitting energy to other people. I'm not looking at my physical appearance, you know. And today's society, it's difficult for a lot of people to not think of their physical appearance because that's just how, you know, at least for me, that's how I felt like a lot of us are, have been programmed. And so I uh, reduced the amount of, you know, television. We don't have cable TV, so I don't watch a lot of commercials. Um, so I think some of those commercials are, uh, they send you subliminal messages. So maybe you have to control as to what you watch or you listen to because you have no idea what kind of messages people are sending you. So if, if I'm able to feel energy from what I'm reading, and if I'm able to feel energy for what I'm listening to that's positive, you know, all these other um, different social medias or different, um, um, I guess, I don't know how to explain it. So 
there's energy everywhere throughout the entire world. This, the sun emits energy, the, the planets emit energy. I was, I'm getting kind of like, you know, lost and adding a little bit more than what I'm actually have been sharing. But what I'm starting to find out is that the sun produces these, um, I guess, wind waves, uh, sun waves. And then your planets, they also have, they're also emitting a certain amount of energy. So as humans, we're just like energy, but we have a human form. And so when you start to open up your mind to all the possibilities that are out there, you know, who can help me? You know, I'm, I'm doing whatever I can to help myself. I don't want to rely on man to help me because obviously man is, is corrupt. Not everyone's corrupt. You know, you don't want to think that way. But how this society is being, I guess, how it's being, I guess, pushed. I don't want to rely on someone to help me. Now I need to figure out how I need to help myself. So once you tap into the energy source, um, I do, uh, I ask a lot, like in, internally, I ask myself, please help me. And um, right now, lately, every time I ask for help, I find it somewhere. Um, watching it in a movie, um, even though I don't watch that many movies, I look at signs and I look at um, signals. What is sending information my way? I will look at it and then I will take it. And sometimes it's only like maybe, you know, out of maybe a three hour movie, there's only maybe five minutes that's really worth it. And I'll take that as a learning lesson and I apply it into, to my life. Yeah, that's a kind of a, I like the way of thinking on it. If, every, if everything is energy, you're basically looking for the, the things that give you good energy. Yes. There was that, and exercising sounds like it was key. Yes. And part of exercise sort of seems to help you stay in the moment as well. Yes. I mean, it certainly strikes similarities, I guess, with Eckhart Tolle's work about being present. Well, apart from his work, there was another quote from someone, I think it was the guy wrote the alchemist um that if a man was truly present he would never be sad another day in his life or something like that does that resonate yeah oh definitely yeah right now just talking with you even though um you know i feel like you know uh and now the more I talk about it and realize that, hey, wait a minute, all the answers were inside me. Now I feel energized right now. So I would say right now my, my depression is a zero because I, ha I have no reason to be depressed. Um, finding the right people. So I, I think you're a positive person. You're a very positive person. Finding the right positive people in your life. Um, you know, you don't ever want to drain anyone. That's just, the, I think, the worst thing you could possibly do. Um, you know, when you're in an unhealthy state, you don't realize how draining you are, not only to yourself, but to other people around you. Um, so when I changed, my entire family has changed, like literally. Um, you know, we all have bad days and you just can't stop it. Um, but you can stop how you respond to uh, situations. And so by me um, increasing, like if I, if I could become the sun, and emit that kind of energy, 
I would. So when I say limitations, you know, we can't obviously become the second person of Lopami and killing everybody. Um, but if you can get that, if you can tap into the energy, the energy source, you can do anything you want. Like l literally, you can do whatever you want. Now you can't, you know, become a millionaire overnight. You know, some of the, the things that people have uh, put in their mind, their mindset, you know, um, do we need money? Well, yeah, we need money to live off. We need money to pay bills, do this and do that. But what is, what is your driving source? You know, what is driving you? Um, eventually the world will end, you know, depressing. Oh yeah, it's very depressing. Well, don't think about it that way. Um, you know, for me, I think that there's something more beyond this life and that helps me. Um, you know, I believe that there's a heaven. I believe that after um, I pass away, I'll transform into a different being. I think thinking that way has also helped me um, cause I was before I used to, it sounds crazy, but as a kid, I used to think about death a lot and it made me really, really sad. And I noticed that my kids do the exact same. I think it's normal for a lot of people to think about death, that they have a limit existence. Um, and that they, in other words, they, they create their own boundaries, but realizing that they didn't create their own boundaries. And so when I extended my boundaries and then that's when I realized, Hey, wait a minute, I have a lot of power. Um, so don't think of like financial success. Um, for me, I think academic success is great, but when you think of money um, in a sense to bring happiness, um, I've learned that it doesn't work because I, you know, I live in a great house. We had this house built two years ago, um, helping my um, my mother and my husband, well, my mother-in-law and her mom move in, you know, help them. Um, but money doesn't bring you happiness. And that's when I found out that uh, I need to find a different source of happiness. And drumroll, what was that other source of happiness? What was the, what is the source of happiness? Yeah. Oh, um, that I'm not, that I'm not limited or I'm not, um, I felt I had to live how this society has structured for a lot of women to live in a certain way, I guess. Um, mm. Growing up in the 80s, you know, women didn't have um, a lot of opportunities. And um, I thought the way it was perceived to me, as long as you have a good smile, you could do whatever you want. You know, for me, that was my limitation. You have a pretty face, well, then you can get any job that, that, that you want. But now there's competition. You know, everyone wants to get that, the best thing, the optimal job. Mm -hmm. And the truth and reality, we can't be everyone. We can't be like, you know, 15 different people. Um, so I think that mm -hmm. realizing, accepting, um, first of all, don't force you to be like what's out in the world. That's the, for me, the, the, the drum roll is, is be who I am. And it's taken me a while. I'm still trying to figure out who I am, but little by little, as I chisel away um, all those, um, I guess, social um, moldings, um, that it's okay to not be how society is. And in fact, there are times where I kind of wonder you know, if I go far enough, you know, who will I end up becoming? And to be honest with you, I really don't know who I'll end up becoming because I'm still learning who I am. But yeah, don't, uh, don't force yourself to be someone that you're not, I think is what I'm trying to say is that the, the drumble. 
because I'm, so I'm all sounds, so, sorry I'm sorry go, go, go ahead I'm sorry um, I was going to say it almost sounds like a cliche, but it, but it being absolutely true in that if you just really be yourself, that's a far greater source of happiness for you than than money would be. Yes, because money, for some reason, not for everyone, but money transforms people. Um, people say that they they would no, they will never allow money to control them but it it does you know if you want a car it's controlling you you want a house it's controlling you um you want nice shoes you want a nice dress it's controlling you the, the money's controlling you i don't want that to control me for the rest of my life i just felt miserable i mean who wants to be a puppet i didn't want to be a puppet anymore so i had to break away from that i mean i still need money cuz i had to I have to buy health insurance for my kids. That's a very expensive. You know, I'm paying, uh, helping pay for mortgage. That's very expensive. But that's not my source of living. Hmm. I think I see. So, so you don't, it sounds like you don't really aim for material things, really. No, I've, I've learned to pull away from that. I, um, I'm trying to, so, People try to to minimize their life, and that's good because you don't want a lot of clutter. I'm starting to find out that you know there's energy everywhere. So mm -hmm. um, I think when you have less in your house, um, still learning about this, but I think energy moves through any kind of object. But I think when you have a lot of other objects that clutter your space. Maybe the, the way the energy flows. Um, you know, people, I, I've always thought feng shui was like a, um, um, like a, an interior designer type word. I didn't realize feng shui actually meant a type of energy in your house. Um, you know, there are certain places you, you know, you would put certain objects uh, for feng shui. Um, you know, the way that you, you think you're sending thought patterns, energy patterns uh, throughout your house. And when you have too much going on in your house and you can't decrease that negative energy. And then I think that's uh, what, um, like for me, my next step is to get rid of a lot of clutter in my house. Cause I felt like as if I wasn't, um, I wasn't happy. So I would put happiness in objects. And I think when you start doing that, and that's when those objects start controlling you. And I didn't want—I don't want to be controlled anymore that way. And so, um, by re reducing those objects that have control over me, I'm getting control back in my life. I think I see. And Anna, Anna, when you say the objects have control over you, what can you elaborate on that a bit? Yeah. So. Um, you know, uh, growing up, you know, my kids will, maybe we would have certain objects in the house that we would like to um, play with or they have toys or they have books. And so when my kids were starting to move out, I had a hard time getting rid of them. And so I started to develop attachments um, to various objects. You know, my parents passed away. I didn't want to get almost nothing of their belongings away. So when my, my, my dad first passed away, my mom, um, so I brought a lot of their things into my house cause I, I wanted to hold on to them. 
So instead of remembering them um, mentally or emotionally, um, having good thoughts or holding on to pictures or just some literature that they had written, I was actually holding on to physical objects. And so I gave more power to these objects than giving power to myself. Um, it took me a very, very long time to figure that out. And so when I, when I started to giving away or, you know, donating, um, sometimes even throwing away, cause I felt like as if, um, donating was just too much of a hassle. Um, I felt better. I felt lighter. I felt cleaner. Um, just even rearranging your bedroom, moving items to be hidden, like in the closet or tucked away, I felt better. Um, you don't see, so your mind, when your mind looks around, it sends signals, you know, through your certain, uh, yeah, like 12 nerves in your, your body. So you have different uh, nerves in your, your, that send to your, I guess, signals to your brain and so your brain in, interprets them. And so part of what I was mentioning about how your mind controls, by me removing those objects out of the house, I was reducing that mind control over me. And so, um, you know, clothes, I, um, I have a lot of clothes. I got rid of a lot of the clothes. Um, trying to get rid of a lot of like little knickknacks because I have some items from like maybe from my husband's grandmother. Sometimes I want to hold on to those memories because I'm holding on to that person. But, you know, I think mentally and emotionally, at least for me, it's, it's not healthy. So I, I don't want to allow those, that energy to control me that way in a sense. And so I don't know if that makes any sense. <laughs> I think so. Um, it sort of sounds like a combination of certain things can hold energy in and of themselves. And removing yes. them from your space can be helpful. Yes. And then with... Like, and I guess in the case of getting rid of clothes and maybe knickknacks from relatives or something like that. And then there seems to be like another element, maybe bigger material things like a, a new car and a house. Um, I feel like there's a different sort of control or attachment there. I like to think so. Um, so I think for me, if you're mature enough to take care of your house, which means, you know, um, either pay someone to clean your house or you do it yourself. Um, and you're mature enough to buy a house without going to foreclosure, or, you know, any kind of bankruptcy or any kind of financial issues. And I think that's okay. You know, there are a lot of people who can't afford to buy you know, several hundred thousand dollar house or million dollar house or whatever the case may be, you know, I can't afford to do that. Um, you know, our house is $200,000 for me. That's a lot of money. Um, our first house was $60,000. And to me at that time, that was a lot of money. Um, but right now I'm not in a stage where I can afford to do that. It feels great. It feels good. But now I'm being controlled by um, my mortgage payments. We don't have any car payments except for one payment, so that's a good thing, and I, I'm okay with it. You know, I was blessed by my family members. I have two family members that are um, in a, a um, they're financially stable. Um, they don't need any help from anyone else. If anything, they 
tend to help others, which is amazing. Um, but one thing I started to do years ago that I apply now still is that um, when I needed something, you know, internally, I would uh, pray and I would ask for help. And it would come through either my, you know, I remember my brother or my sister. Sometimes it would come just from someone else that I had uh, recently, you know, met. Um, but what it boils down to is what kind of energy, what, what do you have around you that's helping you? So when I say material things, um, if you can afford it and if it's not hurting you, then by, you know, by all means, you know, go ahead and do it. But see, for me, I see myself like maybe like maybe five years from now or maybe hopefully less than that i would love to to travel you know a lot of people have this dream they want to travel they want to be a wanderer or they want to go to different countries and when you have a house and you have a mortgage but no one's living in it then that's essentially it's controlling me because i need to find someone who needs to such needs to babysit this house so that's when i control you know we need to figure out um what do you need to do to be happy and for the longest time, I thought if I had a nice house, a nice car, clothes, because that's essentially what's being sold out there. You know, I figured you have to have a nice marriage, um, you know, beautiful gown, beautiful wedding. Your kids go to this excellent school. Um, no one's ever uh, crying or upset. And, you know, the type of world today is, you know, is, I won't say it's not possible, but you have to work extremely, extremely hard. So if you yourself are mature enough and responsible enough to live that kind of lifestyle, then by all means, I think you should go for it. But for me, I'm still learning how to help myself and to mature myself in a way, not mature myself, to become more mature and accept that, accept that responsibility. Um, don't know if I answered your question. I think so. Yeah. You certainly, to recap here a little bit, you, you talked about initially how the societal idea as to what would make you happy, you just defaulted to and gave it a go and figured out it isn't actually the thing that brought you happiness. Yes. In fact, it almost sounds like what's being, as you said, sold out there is almost the opposite of what brings happiness. Yes. It's, it seems like when you spend your whole life trying to get these, I guess not just material things, because it could be like uh, a marriage um, that we're told would make us happy, that yes. they may not end up making us happy. You also, there's also an element uh, for me when you talk about it around debt. So if, if you have if you have another 20 grand lying around and it doesn't really matter and you want this car and it's kind of nice and you just buy it and it's no big deal. But if you, in, if you put yourself in a situation where you're in big debt and you're constantly paying off things, that is a type of enslavement. Yes. Yeah. So essentially the way I, I viewed myself is I was a slave from birth. Because that's just what's, you know, I don't know how this, all of this started, you know, how many thousands of years ago where someone thought of money. Um, you can say you hate money, but at the same time you say you love money. It's a love-hate relationship. You know, anything is a love-hate relationship, but how much do you allow that to control you? 
um, I don't want it to be a, um, I want to be a love relationship. I don't want to be a hate relationship. I want to be a balanced relationship. So how do I balance that? Um, you can read all the literature you want. You can practice all the positive attitude. You can practice all of, you know, the guru, uh, all the different uh, lessons and teachings. Um, but if you yourself are not happy with who you are, it doesn't matter. You always will be cycling over and over and over again. That's what I was doing. You know, what is making me happy? Um, and I think sometimes for some of us, not for everyone, um, we have to go through the entire, you know, uh, life cycle to try and figure out what makes us happy. Um, and so for me, I think I wouldn't say I've encompassed everything, but I've, I've encompassed a lot. And I could say I'm very thankful to have experienced um, a life of both sadness and happiness. And so, you know, um, having, having had given the chance to experience it, and I'm still alive, I, you know, I, I'm not uh, struggling. Um, I don't have a whole lot of friends. It's just something I've, um, the, the trust is, is, it will take me a while. Um, but yeah, you know, when do you, what makes you happy? You could write a book, write, you know, 400 books, and you may never will be happy because you're just writing. You know, what is it that makes you happy? And I think that's a, literally, for me, it's, it's a life um, journey. Um, you hear so many people say, you know, life is a, is a journey. You know, I was trying to figure out well, what does that mean? I didn't understand what that mean. I just, I, it just didn't make any sense. Um, but I think when you pull yourself, like separate yourself from how, how this society Okay, when you say what well, society, what does society mean? You know, your different countries had different cultures, different um, upbringings, different morals. Um, but you know, what do you need to do to wake up and say, "Wow, I'm glad and thankful that I'm alive today." And maybe the first thing you should probably should say when you wake up is say, "Thank you for letting me live one more day." To be gratitude, you know, I, I try to do that every morning. Sometimes I forget because you get caught up. And I, I need what 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 do I need to do today? Um, I had to limit my, um, what do I need to do? What do I need to do for myself to help me? I had to rechannel um, how I, um, I guess, prepare my, my daily schedule. You know, who is controlling me? Hmm. Sounds like sort of more of a self-sovereignty. Taking back power in some way, yes. Making your own choices. This so still looping back to the start of our call around how you were in quite heavy depression for most of your life, and now you're at a point. It sounds like it's essentially evaporated, particularly so in this call, it's down to zero. Yes. Um, this this big chunk of conversation we um, had around um, material possessions. Did this also, did that shift also, also happen in the last four to five months for you? It has. I, um, so, something I never share with anyone. Um, when I was a kid, I felt like as if I knew we were, for me, in my mind, I've always thought I was poor. 
my parents were, uh, my dad worked, my mom didn't work. Um, my mom made a choice not to work because, um, you know, living in the United States, so she's, she's from Thailand. And so my dad was military air force. Um, you know, she's heard horrible stories where, uh, nannies or babysitters or whatever you want to call them, uh, will come into the house and take care of, you know, uh, the babies, but then the babies will become injured. Uh, you know, someone had to think recorded. I don't know how it happened, but the, the infant ended up dying. And so my mother became extremely scared. So she chose not to work. So my family struggled. Um, and so when you're a kid and you see something, it's just natural. It's just within a lot of us. You see something, you get excited and you want it. Um, I didn't have a lot growing up. And so I told myself, and I didn't realize how much of a bargain I put on myself. You know, um, I wanted material things at a very young age and that never left me. And so that I always want, because you think that there's happiness because, because I was poor. I felt I was poor. Um, even though my parents, um, you know, we always had a house, we always had transportation and we always had food. It is, we never had enough compared to other people. Um, you know, I think part of uh, wanting to be better is you start comparing what does the other person have? How much do they make? Well, I don't make enough money. I can't be their, their friends because I don't have enough money. Or they have nice clothes. They have a, they have a higher education. I might, might not be smart enough to talk to them. And then you start um, um, being so critical of yourself and then you kind of create your own, like your own um, universe within yourself as to what happiness is. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of those people that are selling those ideas are also experiencing the exact same thing. Because you're trying to find happiness for yourself. And they're trying to find happiness for themselves. So that's this constant horrible cycle. And so um, realizing that there's, um, when I die, the clothes will not come to life and say, Anna, I will save you. It will never, never, never happen. What will save me is my, what I have inside of me is what will save me. Mm -hmm. And so by releasing your, that control, you know, or taking control of your life by not allowing that to control me, um, I think is what helped me. Hmm. Sort of, it sort of seems like it's in defeating your depression, the journey was in finding what makes you happy. Yes. To me, laughter makes me happy. Feeling loved. You don't have to give someone money to show love. You can give someone a hug. Um, I'm learning the power of, of a hug. You know, there's certain ways to hug people. And, you know, to today's society, you know, you have a lot of people who um, I think that maybe use uh, or taking advantage of people. And so when that happens, people tend to pull away. So I've learned to not always hug people because a lot of people, they just don't want to be touched. Um, mm. But when you do find someone who is willing to receive a hug, don't just hold them and embrace them. You know, there's a certain way that you, you hold them tight and close to you. And I've learned that you can transfer energy from yourself to that person. 
and I, I've seen that, that the transformation um, in that, that person with a matter of days. And so um, mm, totally. I think giving, yeah, giving it your, your total self, like don't really release yourself. Otherwise you'll have any uh, for yourself to live. But if you're able to help someone, I give them a friendly hug, take the time to, you know, show them that you love them. You know, love I think is uh, plays a huge part you know, some people don't care for love because maybe they themselves haven't been loved or they feel like love doesn't create the amount of success that they want. They, they may feel love is weak or makes you weak, but I think love makes you stronger. It's just the opposite. Hmm. So again, possibly a cliche, but totally true, is that laughter, love, and hugs are the things that really make you happy and they're, and they're totally free. Yes. Free in terms of um, the monetary system, anyway. Yes. That we're sold to, and actually, I quite like how you used the word. It, these ideas are being sold to us, like they are really being pushed on us before we might even consider that it is something that we actually might want. Yes. So, what one thing I've noticed for me is that um, I always want to figure out, you know, how do these um, these companies send out these little subliminal messages. And I remember I was in the movie theater and they were saying that so many, these, these, I guess they're those movies that have like 15 minute previews and they used to always sell popcorn or soda. And so they would have Coca-Cola pop up so many times throughout the movie that you'd want to have a Coca-Cola. And so I um, start to realize that a lot of these commercials, they give you so much excitement that, oh my gosh, I want that excitement. In other words, you think that there's happiness in whatever that they're selling. So they essentially um, are telling you, if you want to look like this person, if you want to act like this person, if you want to be successful like that person, you have to look like this. And I bought into that. I'm like, why would these people lie to me? I grew up. Um, I'm extremely naive and gullible person. That's just who I am. Um, I've learned because of that, I had to, um, I guess, cut off my connection with a lot of people because I now at that time, not anymore, but I would think people would just take advantage of me because I was just too nice. But people, I would think a lot of these companies who sell you all this different, um, ideas that okay if you want to be a strong successful person you have to live this way they hire i guess psychologists or whatever that they, they do and they do all these different research studies to try and figure out what who who is the audience you know how do i um, get them to buy my product and so i noticed that when i was passing by certain items in the grocery store and it sounds kind of strange and it sounds kind of weird i'm, I'm probably like going often a totally different subject than depression but there's some like a invisible invisible force that pulls you to want to buy those products i can't explain it i don't know what it is maybe it's just um you know being part of an empath you're just sensitive to different energies and i remember one of the ladies um in our group she mentioned that she works at um 
well, I won't say where, where she works, what, what she does, but she says she could touch an object and she could feel the, the energy. So maybe just part of being an empath, I'm sensitive to all the different energies that are around me. But there are certain objects when you go into a um, department store, I tend to gravitate more and I don't know why. But anyhow, I realize I kind of jumped off. <laughs> okay. It's, uh, there's, there's definitely a, a clear point in there around um, society as a whole selling us general ideas as how to live and specific products on what to buy in order to create some sort of happiness for us. Yes. Whereas you've realized a big part of this journey for you has been discovering what happiness is for you. Yes. And it sounds you could have, I'm sorry, go, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, it's, of all the things you've mentioned so far, it does sound like it's quite of a, it's had quite a big impact in you uh, defeating depression. Yes. Hmm. So much. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can um, wrap some of this up. Okay. Um, because I'm sure a lot of people are going to want to listen to this to like who are deeply depressed and want to figure out how to get out of it. And for someone like you who've had it so much in your entire life, and you've and you have, and it's not like you've just improved it a bit. You've gone from essentially what it sounds like mostly depressed as your baseline, seven or eight out of ten most of the time, to a one or a zero. It's massive massive yes. um and just like looking at my notes some the, the things that seemed to make a big difference was um exercising taking back control over your uh, thoughts so you don't let it do you don't let your own thoughts ramble off on their own path but you um consciously intercept them and create the thoughts that you want to create yes I uh, heard things around literature or, or not just literature, but just general things you consume in terms of like reading or movies is to find the things that have the good energy that make yes. you feel good. Yes. Uh, I heard things around. Um, I think one of the first things you said, number one is to stop complaining. <laughs> yes. Like, uh, yeah, I, I can see how that would be quite a hard trap to get out of if someone feels like they're a victim to not. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you, sit to, uh, you spent a lot, of, a lot of time just sitting with yourself and really tapping into what makes you happy. Yeah, so a part of, um, you, know, you know, father role and mother role, you know, I, I would think for every family is different. Um, but for me, I took on the role that it was my responsibility to make sure my children are safe. And so, um, I would think a lot of mothers or just women in general, that's just how they're, they're built. Um, of course, you know, some moms, uh, they're not built that way and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, if not built that way, don't feel bad. Um, there are a lot of success, successful parents who, um, will not allow their children to control them. And I have essentially allowed my kids to control them because I felt by making them happy 
as giving them whatever they wanted. And that's not the case. Um, Cause I felt like as if I was lacking throughout my childhood and through my adulthood. So I felt by me catering to them, which I didn't perceive it as catering. I just felt like as if I'm making them happy. Um, that's how I lost myself. And so when I say I sit still, because, you know, I'm 50 years old and I still don't know who I am. I realize for a lot of people, it's like, what in the hell were you doing with your entire life? But when you take care of other people, and if you're not used to doing all of those different types of um, you know, behaviors, it doesn't make any sense. And I don't expect people to understand, you know, why in the hell would she do that? Why would she hurt her kids or hurt herself? You know, um, we perceive things as true at that moment. And whatever I I was doing at that moment, I felt I was helping my family. Um, So I didn't know what I wanted in life. I didn't know what I liked. Um, I even lost, um, you know, a lot of people have their favorite colors or their favorite animals. I've lost all of that because it didn't make, it didn't help me anymore to know what I wanted because I was so focused on other people. I forgot who I, who I am. And so sitting still uh, definitely did help a lot. Um, you know, if, if you were to sit still more than 30 minutes a day, and for me, I tried it for like maybe two or three hours. And if you can't sit still in one block of time, you know, if you're able to break it up in multiple times throughout the day, sometimes, um, you know, I didn't like doing yard work um, mainly because, um, you know, when you're depressed, you don't feel like you, you have loss of, of energy. And so I would go outside and I would meditate with, um, with my uh, lawn care. You know, while I'm doing dishes, I would meditate. So if you can't meditate and sit still, at least do some kind of activity around the house that keeps your mind off of those depressing thoughts. Um, it, it does help. You know, everyone has a different way of meditation. Some people like to have music. Some people like to have no music. Some people like to do yoga with their meditation. Um, you know, you can try something for maybe, you know, five or 10 days. Um, and then you realize, oh, wait a minute, it's not working for me anymore. Or then maybe you need to change it up to do something else. And that's part of the, the proactive is trying to figure out what's out there. There is so many different um, possibilities. Um, and if you constantly look you know, search outside of your little circle, you'd be amazed as to what you you can find. Hmm. Thank you, Anna. You're welcome. Is there any other little bit you want to add before we close up on what, if basically if someone's listening to this call and they're really struggling with depression, is there anything else you'd want to add that you haven't said already? Um, Don't ever give up. Um, you know, people always say, you know, don't ever give up on your, your dreams. Um, sometimes dreams have more power um, than the individual themselves. And the dreams sometimes take control. Um, but, you know, don't, don't ever give up. Um, the, the answer is out there somewhere. Um, sometimes the answer is um, stumbling on an, an accident in your life and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, what the hell did I get myself into? you know, I broke my leg, you know, something like that can actually change your life. Um, at the time, I'm sure it, that's not the, the case. 
In other words, the entire life experience is a learning experience. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't give up because if I did give up, I, to be honest with you, not that I, I never considered suicide and nor do I consider suicide as a solution. But when depression takes over your life, um, your, your life energy is drained. And so that affects your organs. And so depression, in my opinion, is like a silent killer. Um, it, it causes all these different, um, I guess, um, your cells to respond differently. And so they don't function the way that they should. And so eventually, I, I wouldn't be surprised if before maybe the age of 60, um, I would have passed away. But yeah, I would say don't ever give up because the answer's out there somewhere. Wow. That's motivating. <laughs> like seriously, stop being depressed or you might, like your body might just shut down. Yeah, that's essentially what was going on with me. My body was starting to shut down. Right. Well, thank you very much. I've been looking forward to getting this on a call for a while now. Oh, you're welcome. I'm, I'm pleased and thank you that you um, added me to this call because you, by you doing this call, it, it has helped me to realize that, wait a minute, I do have the power to, uh, to change. Yeah, I hope it inspires others. Thank you, Anna. I hope so, too. Are oh, you welcome? Thank bye. you, Andrew. Okay, bye-bye.